So in thinking about a scripture reading for this evening, you know, we're not in the middle of a worship series or anything like that, so I decided that I would go back to the lectionary. The lectionary is the three-year cycle of uh, scripture passages for the Christian year. And there's four every Sunday, and I read all four, the Old Testament lesson, the Psalm, the Gospel reading, and the New Testament lesson, and just kept coming back to the Old Testament lesson. Um, it's a story of uh, Elijah, Elijah, L-I-E-L-I-J-A-H, not to be confused with Elisha, but it's a story of Elijah, and uh, it's, it's found in 1 Kings, and I, the more I read it, just really began to resonate with it, and I thought maybe some of you would as well, so I want to share that with you. Now, before I begin the reading, which is printed out in your bulletins, uh, I want to point out that one of the things that people seem to be drawn to a lot in this scripture reading is the fact that God appeared and spoke to Elijah out of sheer silence or a still small voice, or you'll see how the CEB version um, uh, shares that tonight. And we, get, and we get focused on that. And I want to invite you tonight to focus less on how it is that God speaks to Elijah and more about uh, what God says to Elijah. So, uh, let me read, and I invite you to follow along. If you're at home and you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, please do so. I'm reading from the Common English Bible. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he had killed all Baal's prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah with this message. May the gods do whatever they want to me if by this time tomorrow I haven't made your life like one of them. Elijah was terrified. He got up and ran for his life. He arrived in Beersheba in Judah and left his assistant there. He himself went farther on into the desert a day's journey. He finally sat down under a solitary broom bush. He longed for his own death. It's more than enough, Lord. Take my life because I am no better than my ancestors. He lay down and slept under the solitary broom bush. Then suddenly, a messenger tapped him and, and said to him, Get up, eat something. Elijah opened his eyes and saw a flatbread baked on, a, on glowing coals and a jar of water right by his head. He ate and drank, and then he went back to sleep. The Lord's messenger returned a second time and tapped him. Get up, the messenger said. Eat something, because you have a difficult road ahead of you. Elijah got up, ate, and drank and went refreshed by that food for 40 days and nights until he arrived at Horeb, God's mountain. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Then the Lord's word came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? Elijah replied, 
I've been very passionate for the Lord God of heavenly forces because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars. They have murdered your prophets by the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they want to take my life too. The Lord said, Go out and stand at the mountain before the Lord. The Lord is passing by. A very strong wind tore through the mountains and broke apart the stones before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. After the fire, there was a sound, thin, quiet. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his coat. He went out and stood at the cave's entrance. A voice came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? He said, I've been very passionate for the Lord God of heavenly forces because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars and they have murdered your prophets with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they want to take my life too. The Lord said to him, Go back through the desert, to Damascus, and anoint Hazael as king of Aram. The word of God for the people of God and God's people say, thanks be to God. So let me invite you to bow your heads and pray for me this evening in sharing this word with you as I pray for you that God will open your heart to hear whatever it is that God wants to say to you. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we find Elijah here, fleeing for his life and having a pity party under this solitary broom tree. Do you remember who else had a pity party under a solitary broom tree? Come on, somebody. Jonah. Yes, Jonah also had a pity party under a solitary broom tree. Jonah, who was trying to run from God's call on his life, and that's where God found him. So Jonah and uh, Elijah both have these pity parties under a broom tree. But how did we come to this? Well, this dejected Elijah, Elijah in chapter 19 is quite different from Elijah in chapter 18 of the book of Kings. Elijah 18, we'll say, is blessed with success. He's faithful and confident, and he had authority. He calls for a miracle from God, for God to light a fire on this altar without being lit, for God to just light this fire, and God grants that miracle. He receives the miracle from God. He confronts a powerful leader about his sin, and he calls on the people to be faithful to God, and many end up professing faith in God. But Elijah 19 is ready to quit. 
He's worn out and worn down. He's in despair. He has all the signs of depression. He's sleeping a lot. He has to be told to get up and get something to eat. He's complaining about everything. And he's even suicidal. So what happened? Well, Elijah 18 called out a miracle and the people believed. But he also called for 450 prophets of Baal, the fertility god, to be seized and killed. And then King Ahab, who sees all this happen, goes and reports back to Queen Jezebel, and she then puts a bounty on his head. All of a sudden, Elijah's life turns upside down. And so he runs away into the wilderness without any provision. And that's where we find Elijah 19, terrified, alone, and sitting under a broom tree having a pity party. And then he goes to sleep. What better way to escape the realities of life, right? Who else likes to just go to sleep sometimes and get away from it all? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then the angel of the Lord, the messenger, I think is, is how it's phrased in here, a messenger of the Lord, um, comes to him and tells him to get up and get something to eat. And when he looks up, he sees this cake warming on a hot coal. Now, just an aside, the only other place that word is used is the hot coal that was placed to um, uh, Isaiah's lips um, when he was experiencing his call. Um, so, he wakes up and he sees this cake being warmed on hot coals and a jug full of water. And the angel says, get up and get something to eat. God provided. When our son Sid was born, we had uh, just moved to the Sarasota Bradenton area to plant a new church start, a new United Methodist Church. And we had no friends or family in the area. We had no congregation because we were charged to start one out of zero people. Um, and we had no kind of parent church or mother church that was helping to start this. So we had no church family at all. And as some of you probably know, our son Sid was born with a pretty significant birth defect. And even though he was full term, he was in the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit for 10 weeks. He had a feeding tube for two years. We had home health care. It was just a hot mess. It was a really rough go there at the very beginning. And so we have this uh, infant in the NICU, and we have a four-year-old daughter, and we're supposed to be starting a new church start. And, and Sid's being, uh, he, he's always connected to an apnea monitor and a pulse oximeter and a feeding tube. And he had to be watched every second 24-7, or he would occlude his airway and stop breathing. And I was, I was exhausted. I was frustrated. I wanted to call it quits. I was questioning why God would send us to new, do a new church start when all this was happening at the same time. And although there wasn't a broom tree in the yard, I'm pretty sure there was a bottle brush tree, and so you probably could have found me outside underneath that bottle brush tree. Wasn't there a bottle brush tree in that yard? Yeah, yeah. So um, we get... Sid home from the NICU and he's got all this stuff connected to him. He has to be watched all the time. And, and we're just exhausted. And then one afternoon I get a phone call 
and it's a woman and she introduces herself as Jody. And she says, I'm the sorority sister of Didi. And Didi was my dear friend in Tallahassee. And she said, Didi can't be there with you, but she asked me if I might bring a meal to you. And so the doorbell rings, and there's this woman that I've never seen in my life, and she's holding a casserole dish. And I just started bawling. You know, what else do you do when somebody cares for you like that? I just started bawling. She was an angel of the Lord bringing provision to me from God. It was a gift. It was such a sign of God's provision. And then every Friday afternoon, for about three months, she showed up at my door with a casserole dish. And I would say, at least for the first two months, I still burst into tears every single time I saw her. And then finally, when I started not crying, she realized that we might be beginning to turn the corner. It sustained us on our journey. You know, Elijah ate and drank what the angel prepared for him, and then he went back to sleep. You know, that's what we do sometimes. We don't have the energy, we don't have the physical or emotional energy to get up, so we go back to sleep. And then the angel again tells him to get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for him. So he got up, and he ate, and he was sustained for that journey, 40 days in the wilderness until he came to Mount Horeb, which is also another name for the same mountain, Mount Sinai, that Moses went up on. And he spends the night there in a cave, perhaps the same cave that Moses was in. And the word of the Lord comes to him, saying, Elijah, what are you doing here? I kind of hear that voice sounding something like, what the heck are you doing here? Why all this moaning and complaining? This is ridiculous. And Elijah keeps on complaining. I, haven't, I have served you faithfully and, and, and fully. I've defended you against false gods. As a matter of fact, I'm the only one left. Don't we ever complain like that? I'm the only one left. I've carried it all on my shoulders. And now I've got this target on my back. This will surely be the end of me. Elijah focuses on himself. I, I, I. And he might have hoped that God would commiserate with him, but God doesn't. Instead, the word of the Lord comes to him saying, go and stand at the edge of the mountain, for God is about to pass by. Wind, splitting rock, earthquake and fire, they're the multimedia pregame show. Note, those are the same things, some of the same things, that led Moses through the wilderness the fire and the cloud. But Elijah didn't hear God in those things. God is in the sheer silence, the quiet, thin. God is in the calm after the storm, we might say. And then out of the silence, out of the calm, the voice of God speaks again. It's the same thing that God asked before. For most of us, 
doesn't it take God repeating things more than once before we even begin to listen? God says, what are you doing here? And Elijah again complains, I fought so hard for you, God. I fought against those who have forgotten you and, and threw down your altars and worshipped other gods. I alone am left. Poor, pitiful me. And God's response, no judgment, no admonishment, no rebuke. God just accepts Elijah as he is and then simply says okay now get back to work get on with your journey go to Damascus continue to live out your call the journey might be hard but you have a calling to fulfill then God goes on to tell him that he won't be alone God will continue to provide as God has provided and guess what? He's not alone. There are actually 7,000 others that he doesn't know about. 7,000 others. And God will send a successor. God will send Elisha soon to be with Elijah. You know, I remember another journey that was long and arduous. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And then the angels provided him food. And he had three grueling years of ministry. And then an agonizing night in Gethsemane, which then led him to the cross. The journey of faith is not for the faint of heart. But no matter what the journey for each of us, the message is the same. Get back out there and get to work. Get back out on the journey. Forget your pity party. Receive God's provision. Remember God's promises. God's promises that you are not alone. You know, I'll admit that I've sat under a broom tree or a bottle brush tree more than, more than I would like to admit. And perhaps the same is true for you. But you know, that's part of the beauty of the church. That sometimes one of us provides for others of us. Sometimes perhaps you've provided for others. And perhaps they've provided for you. So we continue on the journey as the church. Being about the work sustained by God with us and sharing the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Oh God, you know we've all been there. We've, we've had those pity parties. We've had those days that we didn't want to get out of bed. We've had those days when we thought we were all alone and we had to carry it all on our shoulders. Thank you, God, for not admonishing us, for not criticizing us, 
for not rebuking us, but instead for continuing to love us, even as you challenge us to continue on the journey. As Christ continued on that journey that led him all the way to the cross, O oh God, we know that he did that for us, that we might never be alone. So thank you for the ways that you sustain us through others, for the ways that you call us to sustain others. Thank you for your provision and for your promises and for the gift of Jesus Christ with us always. Amen.